All right, welcome back to Photographers on Photography. This is episode three, where I'll be joined by my good friend Bob calling again from England. Photographers that have inspired me. Okay, I think one of the one of the first photographers that inspired me was and was uh, the great American photographer William Eggleston, uh, who still who still inspires me today. Uh, one of my girlfriends, Amanda, bought me one of his books, and yeah, that was it. I absolutely found it fantastic. To, to look at visually I think it was the colour book as well that I got Eggleston in colour Is that like the guide with the tricycle on the front? I think so yeah yeah. I'd have to have a look in the cupboard at home but I think so yeah Yeah that's the one uh, if, if we're talking about the same book that's the, the book that um, Sharkowski um, if I'm saying that right probably not <clears throat> put together for the show at the MoMA I think Right. Right. That's the, the iconic book, I guess you will. That's the one that most people have. That's like, you know, if, if you collect books, you usually have that and the Americans and Walker Evans. You know, those are like the staples, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so he, he, he was one of my first inspirations of, you know, wandering around, taking photos of stuff. Uh, a lot of my compositional skills was compared to Eggleston by my ex-girlfriend uh, and I was like well I, I didn't know what to say to her I was like oh, I'll just point the camera at things and push the button <laughs> probably uh, exactly you know, what, you know, what Eggleston I, says too right <laughs> yeah I wasn't I wasn't doing things on purpose you know sometimes Eggleston's shots are on the piss and my shots are always totally on the piss because I use a, use a 35mm Leica a lot of the time so you know when I'm using my M2 or my M3, normally the, um, you know I normally try and frame up, you know, for a nice straight photograph. But whenever I get them back, they're always pissed. Right. So now so, Eggleston, though he he's pretty popular in the UK, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And big time. I know that there. So I, I don't know a lot about it, but you, you could probably fill fill in the details here. So there's the what do they call it? The new British color movement or something like that. And was that like around the eighties with, with Martin Parr and those guys? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, Martin Parr in, in Great Britain is, is most probably one of the most influential photographers, you know, out there at the moment, you know, present day. Uh, I mean, oh, some of his stuff, some of the old stuff in the, you know, in the 80s and 90s that Martin Parr produced was just absolutely mind-blowing. And uh, another friend of mine bought me a Martin Parr book, you know, a few years ago. And, yeah, I, I, I just love it. I just love the colours, all the poppy reds and, you know, his subject matter that he, that he takes the photographs of. You know, very, very... Uh, uh, just... Just magical, just looking at look, just you know, magical looking at the photographs. Right. I have, I have to admit, uh, yeah, Martin Parr is, you know, he's he's like the king of the UK of photography as it goes. Right, and and he was shooting. Was it Kodachrome when he was still shooting film? Uh, I'm I'm not, I'm not too sure what what film Martin Parr used. Uh, 
Yeah, but I mean, Kodak color film always seems to pop on the reds. I yeah. have to admit. Yeah, that's uh, You know, whether you're using Kodak Hektar 100 or you know, there's just something about Kodak color film. It, oh, it's always got that real good pop to it. It's right. you know it's a, it's like a lot of my night exposures just recently that I've shot on Kodak film, you know when you long expose it you get really beautiful poppy colours on it, and you know that you know it's just it's just amazing. It's a really nice, real nice film Kodak colour film, especially the the more expensive stuff you buy. You know the hectares and the portraits, right. you know they're just you know beautiful to shoot and always a pleasing result more than anything. Right. So, so we talked about Eggleston. Um, yeah, I, I know, like I said, I, I know a little bit. Be, so when, when I've been overseas, most of the, most of the photography magazines are, are British or UK. So I kind of know, you know, they'll, they'll talk about things over there. And it's just, it's interesting to me that, that street photography in, in the UK tends to be predominantly color, correct? Or am I way off on that? No, no, I, no. I say I say it's a mixture of yeah. color, color and black and white. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I do think black and white works works well with street photography. Uh, with with color, you've got to be a bit you've got to be a bit more precise with your subject matter to make it work with color. I've, I think I think that's what I find. I think there's a British street photographer over here. I think he's called Matt Stewart, and his stuff is is genius. He's he's definitely someone that people should check out. Uh, and another another great street photographer is someone who who I met personally through film photographic is uh, Zarko, uh, and and he's on on uh, Instagram. He's his name's Rogue Exposure. And his street photography, oh my god, he is amazing, and he's good at both color and black and white, and you know, mind blowing stuff. Really, really good, and he's and he's a, he's a big Serbian lad, so nobody messes with him. So it's you know, it's amazing to watch him work as well in the field, seeing it done, you know, visually. It's it's quite mind blowing because it is a different way of working when you're doing street stuff. Right. Yeah, I think there's, you know, always pops up in my mind when I talk about street is uh, what's Bruce Gilding in, with the Flash in New York, you know? Yelling yeah. at people, you don't own the streets. And, you know, like typical New Yorker attitude, like, you know, just, just no fucks given. <laughs> and it, yeah. I think for a lot of us, you know, that, that didn't grow up in New York, you know, being in your face like that just doesn't come naturally, you know? So, yeah, it's 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 a different approach for sure, you know? Well, I mean, I mean, talk. I mean, going on about New York photographers. I mean, Gary Winogrand. I mean, every photographer, new or old, should go on YouTube. YouTube Gary Winogrand and just watch the way Gary shot. And that in itself is like watching a genius work. I mean, just his his twitch that he had when he was taking a photograph with a Leica, and the way he, the way he acted was was you know it was it was un, 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 unbelievable he was you know he was a great worker of people and when he saw something he he just went straight for it 
and he, you know, he, he just had that same attitude as well, that typical New York attitude. No fucks given, as you'd right. say. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I think that that's, that's a lot of it when you're doing street, is that, you know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. Um, yeah. And some people don't like that, you know, and it's not everybody's comfort level. Um, but I do think that, you know, that dynamic certainly changes if, if you do ask permission. And, and the way that he was so quick about it and just kind of did it and smiled and moved on, you know, most of the time people didn't really even realize what was going on. He had already moved on, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, the, the way he shot as well. I mean, he shot a, a Leica M4, uh, kind of you know later in his career. But he, I mean, if, if anyone's ever Googled Gary Winogrand's camera, it's like this worn-out silver. I mean, the camera's still going today; it's still out there shooting, but it's worn out. You know, around the around where he had his thumb, but he used to scale focus, so he was he was set with a twenty-eight mil millimeter lens or a 35 millimeter lens depending on his choice and he'd scale focus he'd just take a light reading and that'd be him set for the day and you know you you know where you're at you know where you can go and you know where you can just you know you can just walk 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 right in right in front of people and take the photographs and he was so quick and he had that quirkiness that people thought what's this idiot doing here right and you know before you know it he's taking five photographs of you and you you have not got a clue what's happened so he so was that fast he was so so what was your your, your favorite um I, I never know i always say wino because it sounds cooler but wino grand uh photo is there any one in particular that stands out to you uh in the wino grand book i've got at home i'd have to say some of the stuff that he shot in the airport was some of the best stuff that i really liked because he kind of captured a iconic part of say the 1960s stroke 70s that a lot of people wouldn't you know wouldn't really have photographed would have you know just taken it for granted and i i I find that stuff really it's really nice it's it's really nice and really uh, glamorous as well because you know flight back then was right uh, you know, flight and aviation. You used to go to the airport. You know, it's a really glamorous place to go to. Yeah. Uh, so, so yes. I mean, some some of them pictures, and and obviously some of the street stuff in New York that he took uh, earlier in his career. Also good. Really, really, really good stuff. It's uh, it's, it's it's hard to pick one photograph. Oh, of course. I mean, he's got so many great ones, but you know, for me, the one that, that always stands out is the, the group of people on the bench and they all kind of have different things going on, you know? Um, I don't know why that one just resonates with me. Um, it it always has. So that's one of my favorites, but you know, I, I mean, I I won't say they never took a bad photo, but when you take as many photos as he did, the, the amount of great ones is just amazing, you know, because street photography is not a, you know, I mean, if you've done it before, you know that if if you get two or three in a week, you're doing awesome. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and it is it is tough. It's uh, it's it's weird just taking photographs of random people. You you have to you have to, you have to set up in a way where you're looking for something interesting, right? You know, whether they're wearing sunglasses, whether they're wearing a hat, whether they're with their girlfriend, whether they're wearing a, a flowery shirt, 
as long as there's something interesting that catches your eye that you think, oh yeah, that's interesting. Because street photography with just a normal person sometimes just doesn't work. Right. It just look. It just looks boring. Yeah, and so many you people, know, I, you know, they have loads of photos of just people walking down the street, and it's like, you yeah, know, okay, so why are we sharing this? Like, what are you trying to tell me? What, what is you know? And, and I don't believe in that whole decisive moment thing, but you know, yeah, yeah. at the same time, it's like, yeah, you know, this is just a picture of of somebody walking. Like, <laughs> you got to give me something to work with here. You know, what am I supposed to yeah. get out of this? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm guilty of doing that myself, just taking random pictures of people, right. and you know, I, I look at them and think doesn't work doesn't doesn't work for me and then there's times when i've just taken a picture of somebody and it's and it's worked um uh, a great example of, of when it worked one day for me i bought an, an old canon 35 millimeter ldm lens for the leica uh it's the f2 uh, f2.8 Canon LTM lens, right. and it's and it's nice. It fits on the M2. It's nice. It's short. It's discreet. And I was getting within three to four foot of people and taking their photographs and not even asking them, just putting the camera to my eye, click, bang, done. And then very politely afterwards, thank them, uh, smile at them. You know, you know, always being good to people, never being rude. Uh, and and that day, I maybe got about. 10 15 decent shots very close up very kind of in the face and a lot of them worked yeah and you know i thought that's good that's good and then a few weeks later i took the same same process and i was with actually car and we were shooting in oxford and i saw this interesting what i thought was a woman walking towards me uh so I got ready, got the camera ready, and I, you know, so so what I thought was an interesting moment, it wasn't, it was actually somebody in drag. Nice. Took the photograph of the person, and then that person tried to drag my M2 out of my hands. He was trying to delete the photograph, obviously. Shooting film, you can't delete the photograph. <laughs> Unless you've got oh, brains on, undo, undo the camera and get the film out. But, uh, yeah... And it was weird getting tussled around streets. Kind of put me off a little bit, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll go back to it, and you know, I'll, I'll get some more. I'll get some more shots. Yeah. But yeah, interesting, interesting day out that one. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've never had an experience like that. Um, I've heard other photographers that have. Um, I don't know if I've just been lucky or, you know, discreet. Um, uh, who knows you know maybe my my time just hasn't come yet but it's gonna come eventually you know but. Derek they don't normally throttle people who ride big motorbikes who look like Frank Black <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true I forget that sometimes you know <laughs> for, those, for those people that don't know Derek that's that's how I refer to him right is is my my friend who looks like Frank Black Black, sorry, can't even talk tonight. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I need to try to see if I can work some red carpets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You could do. You could do. It'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, um, so street photography, you know, I, I know we, we both do a lot of other stuff, um, and I wouldn't even really consider either of us street photographers, full-time at least. But I, I do think that, you know, street photography – 
even if it's not your thing, if you practice it, you know, it's, it's amazing how much better you are at other stuff because you think on your toes way quicker. You adapt to changing conditions faster. I just think it's great practice. You know, even if you don't like street photography, you should go out and, and try it. Um, yeah. I mean, people should go out and try it, but also do it, you know, doing the scale focus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you set your camera. You know, you've you've got your scales on your on your, on your camera on the lenses. So your feet and in, your, your feet your meters, and you set it in between them. And you set your stop at f eleven or f eight, and and you work in in between them parameters. And it's so easy. And every shot is sharp. And it's you know, there's no you know, there's no mistakes. It's all you know. It just looks it looks good. Yeah. Yeah, for a long time, I didn't know what those scales were for, man. I thought those were like doing flash, you know? Really? Oh, yeah, because I was like, I just had no idea, you know? Um, And nobody ever really explained it. They probably explained it when I took photo in high school. But it didn't, you know, it didn't click. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, And forever, I just just thought that was so you knew the distance when you're trying to calculate your flash, you know? but yeah. Uh, yeah, it wasn't until I got into the street photography thing and was reading about it and reading about scale focus and things like guys would notch their lenses so they they would know where they're at without looking at it and yeah yeah so it's it, it does it teaches you so much you know about ISO and how to push film and when to push it and you know depth of field it's just so much that goes into street photography that even if you're terrible at it you'll learn something you know yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I mean something that's uh, this this year I've really really nailed I think last time I spoke to you about I've really nailed my exposures and obviously shooting in Great Britain we're not blessed with the sun a lot I mean we do get it a little bit in London but it's it's you know we're we're in in and out of the sunshine all the time so you've got to be quite good at at guessing your exposures which this year I've become really good at yeah. A, a lot of my, a lot of my photography on Instagram has been guessed. And apart from the stuff that I've been doing at night, been, but you know, most most of the stuff in America, I've used the meter a few times, and that was it. Right. Yeah. It's so easy here though because it's almost always sunny, and if it's not sunny, you know, it's it's okay. Then stop down to. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not that hard here, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the majority of my, my exposures from America were pretty much bang on. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of time I had to go. I had to actually set the camera at sunny sixteen, whereas in Great Britain we shoot at sunny f eleven. Because of where we are in the world, yeah. you know, you know, a bit further north and the uh, texts and places like that. So yeah, we we normally shoot at sunny f eleven and then and then scale back from there. Right, and I didn't know at the time, but when I was in uh, the Middle East, you know, it's sunny f twenty two. Exactly, because you're running the equator line. Right, yeah, and it's so bright over there, and then everything's reflective. So, you know, I I blew so many exposures because I would take a light meter reading, but it wouldn't do me any good because as soon as I turned the corner, you know, it would be, you know, bright sunshine and then a white wall and a person in white clothing with really dark skin. So it's like, you know, it was just... I was it was really hard. Um, my my Fuji X100 did so much better than I did with my film cameras, you know. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. Because Fuji, like you know, those X100s are 
There you go. They're idiot proof. Uh, if you mess up your exposure on a Fuji, it's because you did something with a knob. If you put it on auto, it nails yeah. it every time. I mean, no matter how tricky yeah. it is, but man, film, that was another story. You know, um, I, I really blew a lot of shots. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I mean, I mean, I personally liked your barring stuff that you were shooting the other year. I, I really like, I really enjoyed the lens you were shooting on the M2. Yeah. So wasn't you shooting on the old Elmar thirty five? Um, yeah, I, I think it was a Sumeron. Um, was it the Sumeron? Yeah, it was the thirty five f three point five, the real small yeah. one. It looked like a collapsible yeah. Elmar, but without. Being, yeah. Yeah, such a nice lens. Um, yeah, it had a very, very, very uh, old look to it. Yeah. Which you know, I actually found I actually found that quite pleasing. Right. No, I loved it, and that, especially that HP five. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because we know how much we both like HP five. We won't go down that road again. But no, 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 no. I've I've, I've done, done some nice advertisement for Ilford. Right. But yeah, it was a great combination. Um, you know, portable and you know everybody kind of you know didn't really take it seriously, so it was really easy to yeah. shoot with it. You know. Um, yeah, just a nice discreet lens as well. Yeah, and it did pair. I had the X100F that I was using at the same time for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And they're about the same size, same color, so I could kind of interchange them. And if somebody had an issue, you know, and, and there were a few times where people wanted to see my pictures, and even if I took it digitally, I would show them too and just be like, yeah, it's a film camera, dude, sorry. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'd do the old rope-a-dope yeah. with them. But, uh, yeah, it was a great combo. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this because – you know, with, with film photographic, we usually tag the camera, not the lens. Um, but yeah. a lot of those shots I did, the 50 millimeter, I, I didn't own a 50 millimeter like a lens. All my 50 millimeters were Russian lenses. So, yeah. so I was using like $25 Russian lenses off eBay <laughs> on my Leica, and nobody, nobody knew the difference, you know? Well, the, the thing is with the Russian lenses is, I mean, I'm sure Carl Zion is out from Russia. They're an original Russian company, right? Uh, and you know the the Russians do choose some of the best class in the world. Oh, absolutely! And you know at f eight too, you you really I don't think you can tell the difference between too many lenses at f eight. They're they're all especially in the fifties. No. You know they're, they're all pretty much the same at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Most lenses at f eight are, are, are shooting quite sharp and have a nice look to them. Right. Yeah. If, if you're, oh yeah, I, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed your uh, barring stuff. It was it was nice and nice choice of lens, nice choice of camera, nice choice of film. Yeah. And and also nice subject matters as well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, everybody over there was so nice, you know. Um, I, and it was I had shot there earlier in 2010, and I was mm. walking around, and and that's you know I was really into like trying to find the right camera at the time so i was walking yeah. around with about four or five cameras with me just completely loaded down <laughs> and um you know and i didn't have like a consistent really vision or anything that i was looking at in particular so the last time that i was there you know i really kind of knew what i was going for and what i wanted to shoot and the look that i was trying to go for so you know having that that kind of pre-visualization um, really helped. Uh, but yeah, everybody was incredibly cool there. And there's so many more photographers now than there used to be. Bahrain's got a huge, huge photography scene. 
and it's it's really young and it's really like motivated and supportive and it's all different formats it's it's not just the film shooters there's a handful of film shooters there but film's really hard to get there and the chemicals yeah, are even tougher um i ordered some stuff from germany and it got it got you know lost in customs it never made it um that was a bummer uh and then i ended up getting my stuff sent in from B&H um yeah and luckily i was getting it sent to the base so i was getting it sent at a reasonable price but from what i heard you know everybody else that orders it there they pay they pay quite a bit to shoot film there um but it's a great great scene real supportive um and there's a lot of great photographers there uh really inspiring yeah. to be a part of that <clears throat> yeah Excuse me. so yeah there was it was a good time yeah i enjoyed it and you know i i have you know, definitely got a lot of great feedback from other people on the stuff that I was shooting there. And, you know, and I think that that's, you could probably relate a little bit, you know, like everybody loves the stuff that you're doing with the Polaroid 3000B on 66, you know, because it's just, it's that perfect combination. And then you get back yeah, home. Exactly. And, and how do you follow it up? You know? Yeah. That's the hard part. Yeah. It's the hard, definitely. Definitely. So I, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, 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 it, it, I do find that when, when you find a film, a camera, and a combination of what it goes with, it it's hard to reproduce that when you're back home because obviously the UK is a lot different to America and America's a lot different to Bahrain and, you know, yeah, I think it. I think it's nice sometimes just mixing it up with the cameras. Yeah. It's like, it's, you know, obviously you you inspired me a lot with your Bahrain shots, which I then, you know, tried in London and tried in Manchester when I was there at, the, at Christmas a few years ago. And, you know, it's, it's, it's nice when you see somebody shoot something and then you try yourself and it's like, yeah, oh, it works. Yeah, it's quite good. That's quite, quite interesting Right. way of looking at things i appreciate that no i remember you asking you're like where are all the people <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, that, and now how often do you see people in your photos i mean they're there sometimes but it's like you know i was thought about that the other day because i was looking through your feed and i was like yeah bob so about that where are all the people in london because <laughs> well well at, at night time they they seem to just disappear Right. And I do love what you're doing now. You know, I like it was kind of rhetorical when I said that, you know, what do you go back to? Because you came back and now you're doing your night series, which is something completely unique, you know, and I've never really seen I've, you know, there's there's cities that you think of at night, like New York at night, L.A. at night, Paris at night, you know, obviously Paris Nocturne, you know, going back to Versailles you know so iconic but you know it's yeah. like never really thought of london and neon lights and you know like how different london looks at night because everything i know about london i know from from movies and it's mostly daytime you know yeah yeah exactly exactly and uh, and, Lon and london at nighttime is it's a complete different beast of a place it does look miles nicer at nighttime i think a lot of the buildings in in Britain, are, 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 they're, they're lit quite well for going out doing a long exposure. Right. You know, and, and you know the, the the important buildings get lit up at night. Uh, but I mean, I mean, London in general has got some fantastic ar architecture, which is quite iconic. It's seen in, you know, 
number of films around the world and you know it's you know people can always recognize it like like if i take a picture of tower bridge people recognize it right. if i take a picture take a picture of the shard or the gherkin people know where that building is it's it's you know it's not you know it's not people going oh where's that people know where it is it's 100 percent london but yeah the the nighttime stuff i'm 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 really enjoying it because i've been shooting up with a 1951 roliflex camera and uh using portrait or ektar film at night time i tried some triax as well the other night uh but yeah it's just amazing just doing long exposures just leaving the shutter open for ages watching people walk past on a busy i've, I've actually done it twice on, on saturday nights in central london when it's been the you know the, the height of busyness and you know like derek says there's no people in the photograph because they've all turned into ghosts everyone's right. ghosted through the photograph <laughs> And 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 it's and it's quite nice. It's a quite a unique look that you know I'm, I'm taking this photo, and it and some of them are super super busy, and everyone's gone. Right. And when I get the when I get the picture back, I'm like, wow. Yeah. And obviously, when you get things like taxis and buses stop at stopping frame for like, you know, for like ten seconds, and they drive out, and you, you get all these like weird images, you know, stuck on the same picture that's been left open for a minute or so or however long I'm doing it for 35 seconds and it you know it's 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 an interesting way I, I like all the light streaks and yeah it's, it's weird shooting at f22 at night time yeah I have to admit yeah it's pretty crazy you know have you, have you ever seen any of the old um I think it's Paul Strand in New York like early early you know I think man I want to say like the 20s maybe late teens um, I'm sure I'm wrong. And you know, the six people that listen are probably shaking their head at me right now, but, um, he was doing some stuff in New York with, um, you know, like probably an, an eight by 10 camera and, you know, with the film being so slow back then, it was kind of the same way, you know, so you could see movement, but everybody's just kind of ghosted and in daylight. It's really odd, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. That, see, see, that's, that's another thing when you, when you're shooting such a large format at daytime, because cameras, cameras like that, you must have to shoot at f thirty two, and you know they're mostly doing short, you know, short speeds of like twenty minutes to get f thirty two because everything was so slow. And yeah, it's 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 another interesting way of doing doing things with photography. Yeah, you know, I've 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 never shot like that during daytime, but I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's quite quite uh quite nice to do quite yeah. interesting uh, that's totally like the, the exact opposite way that i shoot so it's hard for me to even imagine doing that i'm i'm not patient like i i own a tripod i've used it i think twice and, oh really uh, yeah. oh man i'm terrible with it even like when i shoot my graphlex i shoot it handheld um i usually what? yeah yeah i don't use a tripod with my graphlex i've i kick that stuff up to 1600 and i shoot it you know f8 at 1600 like like it's uh how's focus um well, mine's got a rangefinder on it oh my god and it works you are blessed no it works i mean like you know most people yeah, take them no, off no, you, but you, you're, ble- you're blessed with a rangefinder yeah but i mean you know it's I, i've done it without the rangefinder um 
it, but it's a lot slower when when you got your rangefinder calibrated and dialed in that's you know that's the way that they did it back in the day you know like you know they i mean it's not you know it wasn't designed to be a field camera it was designed to be you know something you used on the go so that's how yeah, i use yeah. it and uh you know and you can zone focus them i mean you're not really restricted to the ground glass um yeah so you know <laughs> but yeah, yeah well uh, I'm, 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 i mean i mean talking about five by four speed graphic i mean I, I have i have two i have a i have one from 1937 and i have one from 1947 and obviously one has a Graph locks back. One has a graph flex back. So the graph locks back, you can uh, put the holders in for you know the the hundred C four five film that I shot quite a bit on my recent road trip mm -hmm. to America. And also you can you can put a four or five back in there too. And the old school Polaroid. Uh, it's the Polaroid. Hang on, I just have to grab it. Uh, give me a second. Can, you're talking about like the quick loads? Hmm? Like the quick loads or? Uh, no, it's the it's the Polaroid, Polaroid 545i back, which you used to, you, you can actually use it for quick quick load film. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, you, you, can, you can also use it for the Polaroid, old Polaroid films, the Polaroid 55 film or oh, the man. new 55 film. Oh, the 55 can, film. Oh. <laughs> make my heart yeah, swim. <laughs> should we not talk about that oh man I, i've never shot it i've only but i've always you know i've always appreciated it and man it's some gorgeous yeah. stuff and and the new stuff is seems to be i mean seems really nice but yeah i remember the old the old polaroid 55 oh god <laughs> i, I yeah. just want those little dots in the top of my picture so bad and i went out and i bought all the stuff to do it but i never everything but the film <laughs> Right. Well, um, unfortunately, I, I never. All, all the Polaroid film that I've ever bought off eBay has been dry. Yeah. One of the uh, one of the drawbacks of buying expired film off eBay is spending fifty pounds on a box of film and it coming home to you and you you put it in a camera and you take a photograph and then you peel it apart and it's dry. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. But but there there is people out there like. Like Nolan Nolan Rogers, who's on Film Photographic, and Troy Bradford, who have got old dried film, and they they uh, dissect a pod of like three thousand B, and then he puts it in there, and and then processes it the same. You know, it's amazing to yeah. see it, to see it done like that, and you know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's nice to see that you can still use dried out film that way. But all the stuff I've ever bought, I've just binned it just out of out of disappointment and vowed to myself I'm never going to buy that again so it does make you feel some sort of way that people are out there just, just sacrificing 3000B which is a lovely film in its own right <laughs> uh, um, yeah I mean I, I, I didn't I didn't feel that I didn't feel that way when Troy took my portrait on, on that film it was, right. it was amazing absolutely amazing what what he did yeah uh, I mean I, I I can't, it, it was almost like magical. It's the only way I can describe it. It was like a, a magical way that that old Polaroid film that he had was dry out. Yeah. And then he just got, he got this pod of 3000B 
and processed, you know, chop, chops open. He like, like dissected. It was like it was like dissection yeah. in, in in Troy's studio, and hey. I was like, I was absolutely blown away by it. Is he in Texas it, also? Uh, Troy's in Texas. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I met up with Troy on, on the trip. Right. I don't know what it is about Texas, man. There must be something in the water there. But, you know, there are so many great photographers out of Texas right now. It's it's incredible. Oh, uh, do, do you know something? I mean, going to Texas, and I'm, I met with, with Jason Neely, Armand from Denton uh, Camera Exchange, and I also went to see, I met with Patty and David, and I also went to see Troy, and I tell you something, what amazing people, what yeah. brilliant people to go hang out with and also to shoot with Jason and Troy was absolutely the best experience I've ever had. And, you know, such friendly people, really, really friendly, really just welcomed. I've, I've never felt so welcomed in the United States of America before. Right. And, you know, it was, it was just brilliant going around these old Texas towns. I went to Paris, Texas, Denison in Texas. And, I mean, me and Jason went to Denison. And we shot there for nearly five hours in this small town. Wow. And it, and it was just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Such a good buzz. And it was nice and warm and the weather was great. And then a couple of days later, I went to Paris, Texas with Troy. And Troy likes to take a lot of portraits, and I've been pretty warned about it. And yeah, <laughs> it was hilarious. Troy was like, "Hey, I'm going to take a picture of this Polaroid." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Hey, I'm going to do it on my M6. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm going to do it on five by four. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. Because so like it, all he does is take quite... pictures of his friends and family, from what I understand. He, right? That's it. That's what he's about. Like, yeah, Troy is. Troy is the portrait man, and it's yeah. and it was amazing. I actually I actually really enjoyed it. I've never had my portrait taken so many times <laughs> as by Troy. Right. So yeah, it was it was, it was quite it's quite nice, and, and also quite inspiring as well to take more portraits of people because it's something that I tend not to do. Right. Yeah, so, I'm, uh, I'm yeah. the same way. You know, the I think. It, again, going back to Bahrain, that was probably the most photos of people I ever took in my life. Um, you know, uh, before that, I never really, you know, other than some friends and family, never did, especially portraits of strangers and stuff. Um, I find now, you know, it's gotten a lot easier. I'm a lot more comfortable doing that than I used to be um, after having all that practice. But Yeah. Did, did, did you just naturally ask people out in Bahrain? But sometimes, um, you know, sometimes it was just, you know, a gesture or a nod, um, you know, I'd just kind of lift the camera at them. And if they gave me a nod, I'd take the picture. And if they shook their head, then I wouldn't, um, yeah. you know, over there, um, <clears throat> the, I, I guess I don't, the social etiquette's quite a bit different. Um, you know, manners are, are huge over there and showing respect and, you know, if you show respect to people over there, man, they, they, they'll do anything for you. But you show anybody disrespect over there, and it, you can get in a lot of trouble really fast. Yeah, yeah, so, I can imagine. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes it was nonverbal, but it was definitely, you know, it was agreed upon um, for the most part. Yeah. Now, there were times that I was in more busy, crowded places, and I was taking a, some, a picture of something, maybe, and somebody happened to be in the picture. But for the most part, if it was going to be a clearly recognizable face picture, I would usually get permission. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, like before I used to be really timid about going up to people and now if I'm out shooting and I see a character, you know, somebody that just interests me that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll walk right up to him and just be like, Hey, I'm out here taking photos. You mind if I take your portrait? And you know, nine out of 10 times they're, you know, usually pretty happy about it, which is cool. You know, and you hear that a lot, but you know, it's always, yeah. it's different yeah, when you're out pe- there asking, you know? Yeah. Pe- people no- normally are. I, I, I got very lucky myself. I, I, uh, the week before last, I bought a Fujika, GM 670 6x7 camera and I've wanted a 6x7 camera for a long time I I, I, I wanted to buy the Mamiya 7.2 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when they were about, I think they dropped in price about £1150 with a lens mm-hmm. and ever since then I've steadily gone back up in price again they're nearly £2,500 with a lens right. and I've always wanted to shoot the six by seven format because it's very close to shooting four by five format. When you look at it on a on a screen, you know it's almost the same same uh, format. And uh, I, I, I walked out of the house with the camera and I was taking a few photographs because you only get ten shots per roll. And I saw a very interesting man with his granddaughter in the park, and he had a big white beard and quite long hair so I, I, I just like walked over to him and very politely asked him if I could take his photograph and uh, I, I took two shots of him and his granddaughter and one of them is an absolute banger of a photograph especially for a shooting with a new new camera that day you right. know it's my first my first it was like my first shot of a person on that camera and uh, yeah I'm absolutely mind-blowing but yeah I'm, People should just go ask people, and yeah, a lot of people out there in the world actually enjoy having their photographs taken. It's not, it's not such a bad thing. You do, you do get asked weird questions like, "Don't put it on the internet," but <laughs> right. you know, as, as long as you're polite with somebody, and you know, ninety percent of people are cool about it. Yeah. So me and my buddy Vince, when we go out and shoot, it's it's the craziest thing out here because everybody thinks that we're with the with like the media like the television crews, you know, because we have a tripod and like these big cameras and everybody's like, Oh, you know, what channel are you guys working for? (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's a 19, you know, 40 graphlex, you know, speed graphic. Like it doesn't, (laughs) to me, it doesn't look at, but, uh, you know, somebody that's not uh, a nerd like us, you know, it's, they don't know what it is, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, how people receive you, you know, and especially, you know, you go to weird places and, and, uh, you get some really crazy, you know, everybody's really friendly, but you just like people's perception of it. Once you get outside of, you know, areas where photography is a, a, a common thing, you know, especially art photography. Um, yeah, people really have some crazy ideas about what you're doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's always interesting. Yeah. But sometimes those are like the coolest interactions. Cause you know, like they're just genuinely curious about this crazy camera that you got and usually leads to other conversations and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, me personally, from my experience in America just recently was I found that people didn't really bat an eyelid at somebody taking a photograph. I, you know, though, although there wasn't that many people around, People didn't really care that you took, took a photograph if they were near you. Yeah, they were like, 
you know, there's there's look round. It was just, it was it was a. I don't know. It's just like they just don't care. They they're not bothered about it. Whereas in London, people are a little bit more aware of what what they're taking a photo of. What's he doing? What's he up to? They're a little bit more aware, and especially when there's kids involved as well. I, I tend not to point cameras at, at kids unless and and you know unless I know that kid. But I'd never really go out there and photograph anything to do with children. It's it's. You know, it's, it seems to be a thing now. Yeah. In in in, in especially in, in Great Britain, where you, you don't do that, it's like a taboo thing. You don't do that anymore. Yeah, it's the same but, here. You know, and, and it, if you go back to look at, you know, a lot of the a lot of the older classic stuff, you know, from like yeah. uh, Dan Arbus and even HCB, you know, it, kids were such a common thing. Bruce Davidson, okay. like all those guys, you know, kids were were a big part of because kids were always out in the street, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. So, now it's changed so, so much. I'm, 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 I want to put you onto a book here because obviously, you know, we've been having some good conversations here about books it is there's a book by a lady called Shirley Baker and she photographed Manchester in the 1960s and seventies, uh, in a place called Hume, where my father's from Hume in Sockford. My mum and dad are from, both from both bases and uh, the photographs are absolutely mesmerizing and there's loads of kids on the streets but the thing is after the 60s and 70s there was I don't know people in America will have heard of the Moore's murderers yeah that that made a lot of parents keep their kids within eyesight of their parents because they didn't want children to go missing anymore. And, uh, yeah, that changed a lot of things. It's made a lot of people more aware of what, what, what happens if you leave your kid out in the streets, the kid goes missing. But, yeah, going back to nicer thoughts about photography is the Shirley Baker book on Manchester, and it's one that I'd recommend to you, Derek. I think you'd absolutely love it. And also being a big Smiths fan... Absolutely. You, you, you'd, you'd like that look of Manchester because... Hume is where Morrissey is from. No, no kidding. So it's it, it's a it, um, check out. She's called Shirley Baker. Check her out on 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 the on the internet and see see if you can get get her book. And it's yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. Really, really nice book. Black and white. I think a lot of it was shot on a Rolleiflex as well. Ah, okay. So I'm going to make the obvious comparison here. Go on. Uh, who? <laughs> so uh, what's her name? Um, the Chicago nanny. Um, oh, Vivian Mayer. There you go. So yeah. So let's talk about her a little bit because I think that there there's a couple of parallels there, and this is yeah. a, a topic I, I I love to talk about. So, mm-hmm. so you first. What what are your impressions of all that? Of Vivian Mayer. Well, the the whole thing, you know, like somebody finding her work and publishing her work and her work itself, you know. Um, I'd, I'd be uh, curious to know what your thoughts are. I found work. I mean, I mean, anybody shooting a Rolleiflex. I mean, if you, sh- you, 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 you tell me you had a Rolly cord, didn't you? Yes. No Rolly cord. Yeah. So I mean, anybody shooting a Rolleiflex camera and shooting it the way that she did, getting the looks of people, and it's it's a very very tricky camera to get that. Yeah. 
very, very difficult to do. And the fact that she never really processed much of her work was mind-blowing. Yeah. The fact that a lot of them roles are just left un- unprocessed and, you know, it's, 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 it's sad, sad to us to a certain extent but I can I can see where she got a buzz of photography from as well yeah she most probably she, she most probably knew you know if she'd shot 10 rolls and processed them herself that she knew what she was getting oh yeah I mean she did make her own prints and stuff too um yeah so I mean it wasn't like she never developed roles I mean she did I just she shot a lot I think it's kind of like Gary same sort of thing where you know, the excitement was in the taking of the photo. The end result, maybe, I mean, and, and this is all yeah. assumptions. We don't really know anything about her, you know, yeah. but I think that it may have been the process and being out and, you know, as, as an introverted person myself, you know, that's kind of the way that I interact with the world that I feel comfortable. You know, I'm way more comfortable with a camera than without, you know, that's like my, yeah. my invisibility cloak and my, my security blanket all wrapped up in one, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah. So I can see it, you know, it makes sense to me, but I just think it's weird that, you know, like for somebody to take somebody's archive then obviously she couldn't give permission, you know, and to put that work out there, it's something that's so private, you know, and yeah, it's great work and I'm happy that I got to see it. But at the same time, I, I kind of feel like I'm violating somebody, you know, it's like publishing somebody's diary right after they pass away. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I, I mean, I actually think her beautiful work, to be seen because she's a, she is one amazing photographer and like I say to take pictures that good on a Roly Flex is you, you've you've got to be up there because the Roly Flex the square format is hard enough to nail itself but I mean just you know some of them photographs actually talk are mind blowing yeah and the exposures like I mean. <laughs> it's, it's yeah they're always so yeah. rich you know like the and, and the place that she was too and the time and the way that people dressed chicago in yeah. that era you know it's it's such a nice you know when you put it all together you know it's it's a nice recipe for just brilliant work um but i, I definitely don't think that you could have just handed anybody a camera and got that you know because no. there's plenty of people no. out there that we're shooting in the same time and their, their work, you know, <laughs> like the old family photos next to the car and everybody's out of focus, you know, cause it's, like yeah. I said, it's a hard yeah. camera to use, you know, heads chopped off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> parallax, you know, like the parallax on a, on a twin lens reflex camera. I mean, it's, it's something to work with and she definitely was good at it, but. You and, know. And, 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 and there's things that I've, that I've taken from seeing the way she held a camera, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, my role reflex is the screen, looking down into the screen is, it only really works in really good daylight that I can see things yeah. through, you know, through the, you know, through the ground glass. It's, it's a hard viewing screen to look through sometimes. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy focusing it either. You have to get the little small loop out of it and focus it properly to make sure you've nailed that focus. Right. But it's a camera when you do nail things on and you get the results back, they blow you away. Yeah. So like like them like all them night shots in London that I've managed to sh- you know get a certain light sharp 
at night time when you know because I'm, I'm struggling looking through the through the camera mm-hmm. and I get them folks back and get them 12 shots back and I'm like wow yeah. wow and yeah I, I, can, I can understand why she had a large body of work and yeah why a lot of them pictures are just absolutely mind-blowing yeah but uh, yeah I, I, can, I can also see where you freaked out as well that somebody found her archive of negatives and and rolls a film and you know went through yeah i suppose it was like when they went through winogrand's collection because he had over six thousand rolls unexposed when he passed away right and it must be you know looking at stuff thinking well where'd you start right yeah i mean and you know to uh, maybe i think a lot of people might disagree with me but you know with like with gary's work you know i, I don't think it would have been unfair to just you know, seal it up and never look at it. You know, I mean, he gave us yeah. enough. How much do we want from him? You know, he gave us so much. Yeah. You know, but uh, you know, obviously opinions differ on that, but I think that, you know, I, it's, and, and my work is my work, you know, I, I'm not really particular about it. If somebody got a hold of my archive, you know, it, it is what it is. It's not, you know, if I'm passed away, I don't care. But at the same time, you know, it's like, it's it's the the process of of curating and putting things together and how you do it you know it's it's personal um yeah and and what yeah. you're putting out there you know and like i said if i'm gone it doesn't matter but you know to somebody that does matter too i, I just, you know it's just it's it's a, it's an odd thing yeah and i'm not really sure how to feel about it but i guess my opinion on it's not that important either so it's not going to change it, you know. It's still out there, but. but I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean. Also, the other nice thing. I mean, when were those negatives found? Were they found like in the last few years? When the last five years or something? Right. Of, of, and to make really nice prints from negatives taken in the in the sixties and fifties and sixties and seventies is a true testament to the staying power of film and negative what you can do with something yeah i I, I think that's a testament to itself and not just only to vivian for taking the photographs and pressing that shutter that day but for you know the storage and 30 years on of getting that negative and blowing it up and printing it that it 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 works still it's not it's not failed on a hard drive (laughs) right like, you know, in, in 20 years' time, when I come to find my digital photographs, I'm going to plug a hard drive into the computer and find that it's, you know, it's, pack, it's packed up and it's it's no longer there. Right. So, so, funny story about that. I actually was looking for something on online, and I found my old MySpace page. And, mm. and there's old photos on there that I took, you know, years ago. And they're still there. And I was like, wow, I haven't seen this in forever because the, the actual original files are long gone. You know, they, they went away. Yeah. You know, computers that crashed and, you know, storage space was expensive. Yeah. You know? So it's like, I never back any of that stuff up. Nobody thought to archive it, you know. And, and well, I, have, I'm, I'm, I have stuff on, on floppy disk, 3.5. I still have photos from my old digital cameras on 3.5, but, you know, I, I don't have a, a way to read them. <laughs> Wow, you don't have a steam engine to uh, fire them up. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much the same. I've 
I've been looking for some photographs that I took in Los Angeles a few years ago. Uh, and one of the missions I went on was to go find the church from Kill Bill. Okay. Which is, it's in a place called Lancaster in California, in, in really? California just, just, just outside of uh, Los Angeles, about two and a bit hours outside. It's, it's, it's actually near, uh, there's, a, there's a boneyard you know, an aircraft graveyard in, yeah. in, 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 what was the name in the desert town? Palmdale? No, no, no. no. Uh, oh, God, what's the name of the desert town? It's, it's, it's the start, it's the, it's the start of that desert on the, on the 395 going out to Mammoth. It's, it's there. Right. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's, it's, you know, when someone's on the tip of your tongue, you can't remember right? it. Mojave, yeah. that's it. It's, it's 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 really close to Mojave. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I, I found I found the address and we went out looking for it. We couldn't find it. And it took us hours and hours and hours to find it. And I, I eventually found it just as the light was dropping, and this place was in the middle of nowhere. Absolute, I'm talking the middle of nowhere. Right. It was like completely off any beaten track, any beaten road. And I got there, and it, it looks identical. Well, it is. It's the church in Kilburn. That's crazy. I, I um, always just figured that was a set. I didn't think it was a real church. No, no, it's real. It's yeah. real. You should, you, you should you should go find it if you go if you go back out to to the west coast. Go out and find it. It's it's a fun find as well. Because yeah. like you'll realize like what I'm saying to you. Like yeah, well, Bob was right. It's not an easy one to find. Yeah. I mean, I mean the 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 address and the the, the post the zip code for it are, are on Google. Yeah. You can you know you can find it and uh, you can find it quite easily on on Google. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one to find. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, going back to the hard drives, I've, I've lost my photographs from from that trip. I can't find them anywhere. I've been <laughs> searching for the last two days. I can't wow. find them photographs. So I'm like, mm, okay, well, that's another trip back to America. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, well, at least it's close to the airport, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, I mean, I need to go back to California. I need to. Uh, I, I think there's certain parts of California just fantastic. Right. I have to admit. Yeah, that's that uh, that area out there is actually one of my favorites. I used to um, ride my motorcycle from San Diego out to Lancaster and Palmdale. And uh, mm-hmm. my grandparents weren't too far away from there either, so I was out there oh, really? a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that area fairly well, um, and I love it. You know, I love the 395. I love uh, the the east side of California. Um, you know, I, I like it all. I mean, I grew up near the Redwoods and San Francisco and all that, but, you know, going to the desert, it's like a different world. And Yeah, I'm, I mean, dri- driving with... Driving up with the three ninety five, uh, I mean, I've, I've I've spoken to to Jason Lee about about the three ninety five because he's taken some photographs down there, and I think one of his next projects is going to be shooting back down way. Uh, but it's it's steeped in movie history, right? Which is also quite quite interesting to me because it's part of my job, right? You know, I, you know, I've worked in. In the in the British film industry for the last twenty years, uh, you know, lighting lighting movies. But when you when you go to somewhere where you know things like Django was shot and Kill Bill was shot, 
and then you go back to uh can you remember the film tremors yeah 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 so that was shot out there and uh, uh, star trek the original the tv show oh, yes 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 <laughs> yes yeah yeah so yeah and, and, and like and like you look at it and you're thinking wow yeah it was yeah it was shot here yeah is it uh is it two palms up that road uh, is that one of the is that is that one of the towns? Two pounds. Um, twenty nine. Oh, two pounds. Two pounds. I think it two is. Two pounds. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And and and, and that that also has all the uh, old film memorabilia as well. They used to shoot a lot of the John Wayne spaghetti. Uh, well, were they spaghetti westerns then? No, nah, those were done in uh, in Italy. Almeria. Yeah, those were closer to you, actually. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the ones that were shot in Spain. Yeah, that's uh, like the original I'll, I'll, Django. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of the John Wayne pictures were, were shot out there. Yeah, it's Clint Eastwood as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so it, it's it's nice as well. It, it is a nice road and very scenic, very beautiful. Yeah. So, somewhere that I'd like to go back and shoot again. Oh, it's beautiful out there. You know, and, and now, you know, with the with all the, the movies that they make that take place in like Afghanistan and Iraq and all that, you know, that's where they're shooting a lot of them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's funny when I watch, especially the lower budget ones, you know, like when they do like yeah. TV shows, uh, what was that TV show they did a few years back? It was, it was terrible, but <laughs> it was like the same, the same little ridge of mountains right there, you know, East Los Angeles <laughs> County, <laughs> like yeah. high desert area. And I was like, hey, that's, yeah. that's, that's Palmdale. That's not Iraq, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I watched one of them films a few years ago. Was it Lone Survivor, the thing with Mark Wahlberg in? Right. And, uh, I think that was shot in Colorado and I'm watching, oh my God, it looks like Colorado. Yeah, yeah, it really does. They don't, they don't try very hard, you know, because most people don't know if they've never been over there. It's you know, all right, yeah. we, you know, a couple of cactus and some brush and and you know, some yeah. desert and we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's the mag- that's the magic of film and television. You know, you, you can you can shoot any anything. It's like it's like the church from Kill Bill that's in California. He's supposed to be in Texas, and you know, I, I'd go to Texas to look for it. And it's right. it's like the oh, it's like you know, I was talking in, in the first podcast about my my thing with Americana and Convoy. Is the the opening scene of Convoy, the trucking film that was made in the seventies by Sam, Sam Peckinpah. Oh, yeah. The opening scene there is going through White Sands National Monument, right? And it comes upon the song Arizona Noon on the seventh of June. Well, the thing is, White Sands is in New Mexico. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, how to confuse the tourists there? <laughs> right. <laughs> Details. <laughs> Details. Yeah, that's a massive one that we just slipped in there. Right. So, so yeah, and you know, I mean, on on the on the on the first road trip that that we did on Route 66, we actually came came through White Sands. I went. I had to go there. I had to see it. You know, it's a weird thing that I, I had to I had to do, and a, a fascinating place. I mean. Stunningly beautiful, absolutely mind blowing, but also weird with what goes on there. Yeah. Obviously, a lot, a lot, obviously a lot of it's secret. Right. Yeah. So uh, we best not go. We best not go there to Area Fifty One. Yeah. I think we'll turn down a 
turn down a path like we don't want to go down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you'll know, you know, because I got the fences up. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you'll exactly. See all, the, all the crazy uh, people, you know, out there videotaping and taking pictures of, you know, waiting for the aliens to show up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. So I, I gotta ask. Uh, go on. Uh, you know, so with with some of the stuff that you do, you do a lot of things in series. You did your tube series. Um, you know, your night shots now, your road trips. Um, you you ever thought about putting anything together like a book or a zine or? Uh, well, the thing with books is when you do book that they're expensive to do. Right. And obviously when you do a book, you want to do a book nice. So like, like, I mean like Jason's book of Polaroids that he did. It's a nice book. It's a nice big book. And, uh, to tell you the truth, I'm not very good with a computer. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I get a bit frustrated with the computer sometimes because, you know, I've never really... I, I can do things on them. I can work yeah. bits of Lightroom on them. But as far as it... I, 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 get, I get a little bit frustrated when I'm trying to create a book. Yeah. Uh, just It just never looks right. I think I think needs to go on a computer course one day and just learn to polish the skills a little yeah. a little bit more to. Or you could get to, out the rubber cement and the drafting table and and go you know do it the old way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I'm a big fan of really. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that I I'm the same way. I I know my way around a computer enough to get jobs done, but you know when it yeah. comes to laying stuff out, man, I, I would much prefer to use the rubber cement and you know. And then scan it, and then maybe clean it up in Photoshop, you know, and and, yeah. then, and then take it to the printer. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I mean, I mean, the thing is, I mean, I, I do actually prefer physically printing a photograph. Right. I, I really do. I mean, the physicalities of printing on Ilford uh, pearl paper and yeah. just having that physical print in the hand right. looks. 20 times nicer than anything you're going to get in a book. Right. I mean, you, you yourself personally know when I sent you a few of my photographs that they're nice. Yeah. They're, you know, they've, they've, got, they've got a nice feel to them, got a nice weight to them. Right. And it's, it's just that physical feeling, you know, of, of having something in your hand and, you know, you can stick in a frame, you can nail it to the wall, it, you look at it and you're at yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That that looks all right. Yeah, and yeah, I'm quite impressed with that. So yeah, I'm, but I mean, I'm I might try and do something. I I I I really need to go through my stuff to yeah. do to do a series. I really think you should and, because you know you just don't you know besides the the what we're talking about as far as you know the quality of something printed versus something that you see on a backlit LCD screen. Yeah, you know I, I think that there's really nothing out there right now electronically that you can really put, put things in a series, you know, maybe an ebook, you know, but that's not yeah. the same as, you know, like the zines that I get, like, um, that I don't know if you ever saw it. It was kind of a limited edition thing, but, uh, the Larry Nehu's, um, 
what's everything is nothing or I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know I know the photography you're talking about. He's yeah, oh Larry. Good. They, he is a beast, you know. And and I I think the nostalgia thing, that's a topic we can go back to because I have feelings about that. But you know, he is so damn good at what he does. And he's, yeah. he's kind of like you, you know, being somebody for, that comes from Europe. Um, well, you come from the UK, which arguably is part of Europe, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. At the moment, yes. <laughs> Sorry, bad <laughs> joke there. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I, I don't mind. But, you know, when he came over uh, and the way he is working, you know, and being from from France, you know, and that being in love with Americana. And I mean, that guy shows me America and I'm from America, you know, but seeing it through yeah. his lens and his, his everything, his, his color palettes. And it's like, you know, it's like, wow, it's seeing America for the first time. Um, I can't say enough good things about him, but his zine, you know, it's, it's not, it, it's not a big, crazy coffee table book. It's, it's, you know, but it's wonderful. And, and seeing his stuff online, it doesn't even compare to, to holding that in your hands and seeing it, um, you know. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. There's, there's a young kid here who does a couple of good zines. Is uh, Louis Brock, or he does small little books, like twelve-page books, right. and 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 some some of them are quite, some of them are quite good. But I mean, a lot of the time after I've worked a fifteen-hour day at work, it's the last thing I want to do is sit in front of a computer and. And normally I just pass out. Right, yeah, yeah. I hear that. A lot of it's time constraints. Maybe when I'm, maybe when I'm nearing the age of retirement, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go through the archives of negatives and, and you know, try and put something together for people to enjoy. Yeah. But I, I mean, going back to the tube series, I was really enjoying doing the tube series, right up until terrorism attacks in yeah. Europe and in and Great Britain and after that I thought well I'm not going to risk you know getting getting killed right. in a you know because things were things were becoming very very on top especially in London after what happened in Paris right. and then you know it, it, it eventually happened in London and Manchester which you know it's it's absolutely mind blowing to think that something as crazy as that happened in a street and in a venue that I've been to as a young man and uh, in a street that I'd only just walked down like two weeks previous and you know two months previous with my camera right. that I was like, do I really want to risk this now? Yeah. But I'll 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 I'll, I'll go back there. Um, it's it's the the tube the tube series is unfinished business. There's unfinished business in the tube, and trying to get the tube empty as well is tricky. Right. Because uh, you know there's over 11 million people here in London, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a busy it's a busy place down that tube. I'll right. tell you that now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know it, it's. I don't want to get too politicized, but you know, it's, we went through that obviously here, um, in, in particularly in New York and how that affected the big cities, uh, San Francisco and all that, you know? And, and I think something that we forget, you know, is that in a lot of other parts of the, of the world, you know, that's, that's an everyday thing that they've been dealing with for 30, 40, 50 years. 
Yeah. You know, and it, when yeah. it's finally on our doorstep, it's like, oh shit, you know, now it's yeah. coming to us. And, uh, you know, and it changes everything. Absolutely. Um, you know, and it's just, it's a crazy world that we live in. And, you know, I, I just try to keep in mind, you know, that, that there's other people that put up with that shit all of the time. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's madness. Um, yeah. Nobody should have to live like that, you know? So. No, no, I mean, everybody should shoot film. Right. And not people. Exactly. Shoot film, not people. <laughs> oh, shoot film, not bullets, whatever, whatever you want yeah. to say. But, I mean, everybody should just go out there with a film camera and take a photograph instead of causing harm to people. It's, you know, I, I think people would get a lot more satisfaction from it. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, going back to the Tube series, that's a that's unfinished business and uh, there's still a lot of the tube that I, 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 always, I always find you think on the tube. It's, yeah. There's always new tunnels to look at and it's, it, is, it is quite nice, I have to admit. And a lot of them are, a lot of them shots are taken at a 30th wide open, you know, on, on, on the Leica. That's surprising uh, that the light's actually pretty good because I know in DC, uh, like, you know, the the tunnels there man they're like built like bomb shelters and they're beautiful and they're amazing <clears throat> but they are dark you know it's like oh really handheld is almost impossible on film uh digital you know it's it's there's a lot more of it now but the when i first got to dc and i tried to take pictures in, in the um i don't know what they call it there they just call it the train i think yeah it was forget about it like unless you were using a tripod they were just too dark so i'm surprised that you're using 30th of a second i would have thought there were longer exposures than that no, 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 because they're, they're mainly lit with fluorescent tubes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, like a 30th at, at 2.8 or F2. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, n- never never any slower than that. Right. Um, and, yeah, the, it's it's quite interesting. Lot, lots of good shapes, a lot of good lines, a lot of, a, a lot of the tunnels are, are mind-blowing. Like right. some of them are really long, really, really long. I'd, I, I'd like to go down there just on my own yeah. one day. I mean, is there? <laughs> there's got to be like old lines that are that are closed now that you can go and explore. I bet. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm. I mean, lucky enough working in the film industry, I've been to. Uh, there's the Old Witch Station, which uh, they they do they do a lot. They use it for a lot of filming. The, the James Bond film, uh, can't remember which one it was, but Die Another Day with Pierce Brosnan, where you know where the where she turns up in the uh, station, where M turns up in the station. That was actually shot down in Oldwich Station. It was an offshoot of the Piccadilly line. Okay. And you ha- and you have to walk down there. There's no elevator to it anymore. You have to walk down there, and it's quite 210 stairs down to the bottom. It's quite a deep. Yeah. Piccadilly Line Station. Uh, so yeah, I think you know, I I do get to go around things. I think is when you're underground though, you, you you do need light, and you know, it's, otherwise it just doesn't work. Right. I have to admit, uh, that's that's the nice thing about the tube. Have anyone seen any of my shots? I mean, one of my favourite stations. If anyone's ever going to come to London, if they're listening to this podcast, is get off at Embankment Station and have a walk around it because it is fantastic the elevators 
uh, the, not the elevators, the escalators and the tunnels in between the Bakerloo line and the Northern line and then you've got stairs going up to the district line and it's it's quite an interesting place with lines and lights and tiles and you know there, there's a lot going on in there and it's you know you can get I mean I've had some really nice shots in there really really nice shots right so have you shot any of that in color or was it all black and white I think I've shot a lot of that in black and white yeah Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good idea, Derek. I quite, I quite like that. Yeah. That's a, I, I, I think the thing with black and white is you get a timeless look, don't right. you? Yeah. I don't know what it's like. Is it like a timeless classic look you get with black and white? Yeah, it removes that element, you know, because it's it's easy to tell a modern film from a from an old film. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and, exactly. And, and, you know, color is also, I mean, you know, it automatically invokes that, that timelessness when you take the color out of it. But in particular, you know, the films haven't changed that much. It's not as visually drastic as, you know, the difference between, let's say, like, I mean, Ektar doesn't look like anything you shot back in the 50s or 60s, you know? No. No. It just looks like color film. Right. So while I'm talking about color film in 50s and 60s, one of the things that we're supposed to talk about... <laughs> Go on, then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Herzog. Fred back, to, Her Fred, back to the list. Back to the list. Fred Herzog. Yeah. yeah, you have a book, right? Yeah, I got that the other day. Yeah, what do you think? Fucking hell. <laughs> get, get, listen, right, people and buy it. I think, uh, I think it cost me £21, uh, which is mostly about $35 to you, US listeners. It is. And yep. It's on and Amazon. Go, you can go buy it on Amazon. <laughs> oh, man, absolutely worth it. The book is mind blowing. Yeah, and he he shot mainly around Vancouver and parts of America, mm. and just shows the beauty of of how the how the cities were in the fifties and sixties. It's and and also shot on uh, Odochrome. Right. Yeah. So, and uh, wow. Yeah. Amazing that's all stuff. I've got. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> just wow. So 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 let's talk a little bit about the power of of film, right? So you're familiar with with the Americans, of course, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so now imagine if if he had shot the Americans in color. <laughs> I've, I, do you know? I've, I think I think it still would have worked. It still would have worked, but it, man, it would be a different book, you know? Because if you look at Fred Herzog's, which some of its similar times and places, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's just, when I look at that, you know, because the, the style, it's very document, it's very straightforward. It's, it's very, you know, I don't really think he was pulling any punches or trying to make it look more than what it was, you know, it was a very straight ahead approach and I love it. Um, you know, and, and I'm not saying that, that him and Robert Frank's styles were at all similar, but at the same time, it just made me think about, you know, like, like how, how different would the Americans have been had, had he been shooting it in color? <laughs> well, well, I mean, I've, yeah, I, I'd mostly say the Americans would have looked like Stephen Shaw's book. <laughs> you think? Yeah. 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 But I mean, I mean, I mean, there's another, there's another great, Oh yeah. you know, you know, you should come, you should come to the East coast because uh, he's got an exhibition in New York. I think at the Met, that's going to be Do open us. for, for like 90 days. Yeah, Stephen Shore. Um, it's a, uh, it's a 
what do you call that? Um, retrospective. Uh, and uh, just opened up in November. Um, it's going to be in New York oh, really? for 90 days. Yeah. So if you, oh, you know, God. if you got an excuse, you know, to fly out to New York, <laughs> you know, go, go see Stephen Shore's work in person. Don't, uh, don't, don't tempt me. Hey, I'll meet you in New York, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, I mean, I mean that. Oh man, that sounds amazing. Yeah, Stephen Shore is wonderful, and you know he's he's still on Instagram. He's still putting putting photos out there. Which is kind oh, of really? wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I mean, last Christmas, I, I, I got the Stephen Shaw book and I got the Eggleston two and a half by two and a half book, which uh, both absolutely stunning. But my dad bought me the Stephen Shaw book mm-hmm. and he absolutely loved it. Yeah. So, uh, Uncommon Places, is that the one? Yeah, 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 God, amazing! Yeah. You know that that Sambo's restaurant photo. I think that just epitomizes, like, to me, what great color photos can be. You know. Yeah, yeah, but um, I mean, I think a lot of Stephen Shaw's work was shot on an eight by ten camera. Uh, yeah, I think so. As but, well, which uh, you know, when you're shooting an eight by ten, it's 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 like taking a beast out, and you know, you've got to be. You gotta be at the top of your game shooting stuff like that. I mean, yeah. once you're used to shooting a big camera, like you'll you'll get good at it. But I mean, I, I just find some of the photographs just, you know, it's it's nice. It's so inspirational to look at. Right. And then you know, I, I go to America and I I I, I get overwhelmed and <laughs> come back with about three decent shots. Yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, working with yeah. constraints though and and this is something i'm trying to work on myself is you know because i can go out with especially particularly 35 millimeter and i can go mm. for a walk and i can shoot four or five rolls of film um and i'll, I'll get it back and i like every one of them because i took it mm. you know yeah. <laughs> i'm not i'm not objective at all i love all of my yeah. work it's the best you know yeah <laughs> other people might disagree and that's fine but you know like but it's just so much, and it's like, man, did did I really need to take you know five rolls of film in this little three blocks of Main Street in this town? <laughs> but when you're documenting, you know, I'm documenting. I, I took pictures of everything. I'll let somebody else sort out what's good or not, you know. But I yeah. think that working with those constraints with that, like eight by ten, and then Stephen Shore just flips that on its head because like Stephen Shore would take a picture of his breakfast with an eight by ten camera. I assume it was an eight by ten camera, but you know, it's like this is way before people were taking pictures of their breakfast and putting it on Instagram. Like and he was doing it with large format. Like how crazy is yeah. that? Yeah. Well, do, do you know do you know something I think I think he I think I've spoken to Ashley about that and he also used to carry a, a rolly thirty five in his pocket. Oh, okay. So I think that it, there might be a few 35 millimeter photographs in there too, but not too many. Yeah. And, and, I, and I could be completely wrong. But uh, yeah, so that's what I've been told. You used to have a rolly 35 of him. Well, that makes sense, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I mean, going, going back to photographers and and, uh, and and another one of my favorite photographers was uh, I, I, I was I was drawn to him a few years ago was the War photographer James Nack is it Nack Nackwee Nackway? Ah man, I, I know who you're talking about, but I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I watched his documentary War Photographer yeah. many many years ago. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating that people can 
go into these places and still take mesmerizing photographs of of you know quite quite horrible subjects yeah but um, yeah it's, he, he's he's another great photographer that i've i've always kind of i've loved his shots of subject matter and where he is in the world and you know just the, the thought that goes into your head like how can you take a picture of a starving romanian right. child how can you take a picture of a famine victim but obviously it's like you say it has to be documented it has to be seen right. and if it's not if it's not seen if it's not if that photograph's not taken it will never be seen people will be like god that, that was bad wasn't it yeah yeah, he's, there's there's another documentary that came out fairly recently. I think it was a uh, I want to say that the guy was from Belfast, maybe another <laughs> war photographer that I saw on Netflix. I I can't remember his name. Um, I believe it was an Irish name, but I don't have much to go on here. <laughs> but you know, another another interesting one, and he talked a lot about you know the the psychological impact of you know being that you you bear witness to this stuff. But you're yeah. not you're not able to interject or really influence the outcome. But at yeah. the same time, you're there with the camera, and that influences the outcome in itself. You know, in that yeah. conflict, man, that's just some heavy stuff to have to deal with. And, yeah, and I don't know I'm, how people I'm, do I'm, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, I mean, one of our great war correspondents is Don McCullen. Yeah, no, that's the man. <laughs> and that's him. And, uh, <laughs> Where's yeah. he from? Uh, he's from he's from London. He's from North London, Islington in North oh, London. Man, I don't know why I thought. Okay, yeah, but yeah, yeah Netflix and, special, and, yeah. And, and and obviously, the I mean, the the famous one with uh, with, with Don McCullum was he used to shoot a Nikon. Yeah. And during the Vietnam War, the the Nikon took a ricochet bullet and saved his life. Right. Uh, people can look that one on, up, up on Google and look up look up Don McCullum's. Uh, camera, I think it was a, a, I don't know Nikon F or one of them. You yeah. know, with, you know, with the great big thing at the top of yeah, it. But, photomatic. Yeah, photomatic, photomatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when he was out shooting the Vietnam War, he, he, uh, he, 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 he took a bullet to the camera, and uh, the camera saved saved his life. Right. Yeah, that's the guy I was thinking of. But I don't know where I was getting the Northern Ireland stuff. Maybe he did some stuff there too. He he did shoot. Yeah, he did shoot in Northern Ireland. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that was one of the first war zones that he that he went to was right. Northern Ireland. Uh, but he he also used to photograph the homeless people in Shoreditch in London. Okay. And uh, some of the photographs from there, my God, haunting. The you know the look because. The thing with Don McCullum's pictures is he seems to get a haunting picture of somebody. Right. Like like the famous one of the shell shots US uh, troop in, in in Vietnam, you know, right. the whatever it was GI in Vietnam where he's completely shell shocked and he's just taking that straight on portrait shot of him. Right. And you and you're looking straight into his eyes and he's looking straight back at you and it's and it's like, Wow. Yeah. Oh my God! Wow! Oh, yeah. And he did that with the homeless in in Shoreditch, and some of them photographs of his early work are they're quite they're quite mind blowing. They're quite like quite visually 
a lot of visual impact into it. But whereas nowadays you can't really, I don't, you could really get the same because, you know, London's changed and it's not as dirty and grimy as what it used to be. And these people are, you know, they're covered in like black soot and dirt. And they just look, they look, they look gritty and grim. Right, it's just like the old uh, Tenement Square photos of New York, you know, old New York. And yeah. It's the same sort of thing. You couldn't replicate it, you know. And Yeah. I mean, there's poverty in the world, and, but in, in uh, I, don't, I don't like the term Western countries, but in Western countries, you know, for the most part, we don't know poverty the way that, you know, that it existed before. It's not on the same level. Yeah. You know, the famines here um, compared to what they were, you know, back then. Yeah, um, it's just different now, you know. Like now, people think they're starving, but you know, you can go to McDonald's and and get you know garbage food for almost nothing. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's not such a bad thing at McDonald's either. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so especially when you say like when you've just come back from like a weird country, a McDonald's is always like a it's always like a nice little sign. Like, oh yeah, I know I could just eat a cheeseburger now. Right. <laughs> so, so how do you compare McDonald's in in London compared to McDonald's in the U.S.? Did you eat McDonald's when you're here? I I have done. Yeah, it's yeah. all the same. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> McDonald's is the same anywhere in the world. Nah, France is totally different. Like France, they have like like crazy fancy bread and and like fancy cheese on on stuff. It's crazy. Oh yeah. Yeah, France. Uh, yeah, in Marseille, uh, they had uh, it was like this weird mcdonald's that was kind of like a, it was like a fancy mcdonald's and and they had like french cheese on your hamburger and stuff and you could still get the regular crap but it was actually really good the reason why i remember is they had free wi-fi and at the time they, there wasn't free wi-fi everywhere so there was a bunch of us you know hanging out at mcdonald's in marseille and everybody's like you guys are crazy why are you hanging out at mcdonald's and we're like yeah wi-fi you know <laughs> And, and yeah, we didn't have, free you know, wifi. free Wi-Fi with laptop computers, you know, because phones weren't really a thing there. This is back in, you know, 09 when it was the early days of, of smartphones, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When you used to get like 500 megabyte of data. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, France is a, is definitely an interesting place. And uh, I, we talked about Versailles a little bit earlier. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his stuff. Um, he was a six by nine shooter. Right. And, uh, you know, medium format and man, incredible work there. Um, I think Paris would be a lot of fun. That would be on my list of, of places to go work. You know, we didn't talk about, we're already at an hour and a half into this and there's so many photographers we could talk about. Cortesi, Cortesi, my pronunciation's crap. I don't. I don't, I don't know him. You'll have to... Uh, Andre? Cortez? You'll, you'll have to introduce me to him. For I don't real? really know him. For real, you don't? No. <laughs> wow. No. I, I, mean, I mean, sometimes there's there's a lot of people that I have that I find by uh, just by mishap, sometimes just by looking on YouTube at something. You know when you get led from one thing to another because, yeah. you know, like I've watched the Gary Winogrand video on YouTube. I, yeah. I, I like to watch that quite often. Uh, Gary Winogrand shooting in the streets and yeah. and like you get links from certain other photographers right. so uh, yeah so, hey, sometimes I just like stumbling upon people so wow. I find it quite nice well that's good you're in for a treat because um, I, I think that you'll enjoy it quite a bit um, what about contemporary 
photographers. We talk a lot about, I think just as most of us, you know, uh, the, the golden age, if you will. Yeah, the golden age. Um, contemporary but, photographers. One of the first contemporary photographers that I got into was uh, Robert Polidori. So I'm not familiar so, with him. Who's that? Well, Robert Polidori shot, uh, he shot a load of stuff in uh, Chernobyl. Okay. Uh, yeah, if you, if you Google him, you'll, you'll, you'll recognize the work. Okay. Uh, he, he did stuff in... Uh, so he did, he did a book on Chernobyl, he did a book on Havana, and then he did a book on the, uh, oh, what's the name of it, after the flood, uh, oh. where did the levy, levy, levy break a few years ago, New Orleans. Okay, yeah, as was, which one? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he, 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 he's basically from... He, I think he originates from New Orleans. Okay. And and he went there and photographed after the after the great big flood. And was that two thousand and nine? Four? Five? Uh, yeah, it was back way back then, yeah. Yeah, he he went and photographed years, that. More than ten years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but he, he he's somebody that I've I've always loved his photographs and I've, I've, a friend of mine who she now lives in New York, she she got me into his work. She introduced me to him when I was first starting with my photography. And she was like, have you ever seen this guy's photographs? And I was like, no, no. And she showed me this book. It was the one in Havana, this lovely red hardback book. And it was just mesmerizing the colors and the way it was all set out. And yeah. so just, you know, I, I, I do find some books absolutely mind-blowing, just the way... The way they're set out, but I think a lot of a lot of them are staged as well. A lot of the photographs are too staged for me. Right. So yeah, let's like Steve McCurry. <laughs> let's go there. <laughs> Steve McCurry, right? Oh, okay. that twat. <laughs> God, I hate well, him. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't, I don't really know much of his work. You have to, you have to enlighten me. Oh, Who is he? That's the okay. So he's famous for a few photos, but Afghan Girl, the National Geographic cover, right? And uh, that's what he's most well known for. But he got he got in trouble because he got caught photoshopping, and he's the one that reversed his thing, saying, "Well, you know, I'm I'm a visual storyteller. I'm not a I'm not a photojournalist anymore." Right. But you know, he's celebrated for being the National Geographic one, and he's got all sorts of stuff surfaced when people started looking back at his work and realizing that they had photoshopped the hell out of stuff that was in national geographic and, you know, he erasing people out of pictures to make them better, you know, moving lampposts, doing all sorts of Photoshop trickery. But he got caught because a photo on his website, they, somebody had done a, a botched Photoshop job and they left a person's leg in the photo. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, but you know, he was a, he was a legend. I mean, he literally like he's the one that took all the famous photos of India. And I mean, it's kind of like uh, everybody knew that Ansel Adams was was doing things to make you know the skies black, and and it's not really a secret. But you know, it it had been like if Ansel Adams had tried to pass off that you know no the sky was really black. That's how it looked when I took the photo, and then you find out that you know he dodged the hell out of it in the dark room. You know, yeah. I mean, it's but it was somebody that kind of statue, like you know, and and I don't know. <laughs> I guess see, like I said, I'm a negative person. I'm a hater. 
yeah, yeah. No, no. I, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, the, th- the thing is, right. I can I can understand people not liking a lamppost, right? Because in in Great Britain and also in America, in America you have a lot of. Uh, the, are the electrical poles or oh, telegraph yeah. poles that you yeah, have? Visual garbage everywhere. It completely pollutes everything you look at, you know. <laughs> but it's there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what yeah but, I'm, I'm, but, but to me, I mean, I, mean I, I had the same same discussion with Troy when he was in Paris, and I was like, he's like, oh man, there's a there's a post in the way, and I was like, I don't mind that. It's better than better than what we've got in Great Britain because it would have been three posts and a bench in a way. So, so, so to me, I'm like, I can see the positives sometimes of, of shooting stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, you, you just make them into the photograph. Right. You work around it, you know, but I, I think yeah. that, that's because like I said, I'm not an artist, you know, I'm a documentarian mm. to me, you know, doing that kind of stuff is just, it's, it's wrong, you know, like, because you're changing what's there to make your photo more, visually correct you know under the yeah. the classical rules of composition and yeah. you know I'm, I'm not a greek painter i am a photographer so <laughs> it's not my yeah. job to to you know make sure that 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 you know the the rule of thirds is observed by the lamppost you know yeah but, and, i mean and, and secondly i wouldn't have a clue how to remove it anyway right yeah because you're <laughs> <laughs> so so you know, we talked a little bit about war photographers, and and I don't know because I, I read a lot of stuff, but uh, the um, Kappa photo of the the Spanish soldier, oh my God. yeah, yeah, and about whether or not that was fake. There's there's quite a bit of evidence out there that says that, that was, you know, <laughs> yeah, staged, yeah, yeah, uh, like... yeah. Well, many, many years ago, I went to the Barbican and I saw Kappa's exhibition there, and just looking at the photographs, I mean, absolutely amazing, really, really amazing. And I, I, I also went to uh, Omaha Beach in in France, in mm. Normandy. And out there, you have the big American graveyard, and there's another graveyard just near the town of Bayou. And there's the there's this. Uh, like you know, the, it's the graveyards. It's, it's, it's where the where the photographers are remembered. The famous war photographers, war correspondents, are remembered there. And it's it was it's, it's quite quite interesting. But yeah, Capper's work is is good. I do like it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the D Day photographs are, are amazing. That the lab fucked them up as well. Yeah. Cause they, cause they, they didn't they, didn't they uh, overexpose the film or something like that? Yeah, I think they had done something with it, if I recall. Um, yeah, yeah. So he only got, he only got like twelve shots, didn't he, from that day? Right. Yeah, but those twelve shots, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. it doesn't all have to be in focus and perfect. Right. Like, like Kappa said, but I mean, yeah. If, if you're not close enough, you folk your photos aren't is it if you're not close enough your photos aren't good enough if, if, if your photos aren't good you're not close enough maybe yeah that's it yeah yeah yeah, yeah definitely uh you know it, it's just that that whole thing with you know like 
talented photographers sometimes do some stuff because of the pressure, you know, when, when you have that pressure, um, to, to do those things, especially in your younger days when you're trying to make a name for yourself, you know, and, and I think the ethics that get involved, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that's another another podcast there is the ethics of photography and, and what our responsibilities are. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, it's really a personal choice. But it, I, I, I think they're going on about the unknown soldier thing from Kappa's work uh-huh. that he kind of got away with it after D-Day. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know. I, I mean, yeah. I, I guess you know. Perspective. I, I, you know. You know, details. You know for, me pers- for me personally, I, I, I just go. You give oh, him a there's pass, that guy. Huh? There's that guy who's dropping the rifle. Yeah. But just look at these D-Day photos. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're all out. Of fo- they're mostly out of focus, and it's it's them that are the, they're the they're the iconic pictures. Right. They're they're you know some of his greatest photos and you know it's it's, yeah it's 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 mad it's it's mad to think that someone got got that much fame and variety through 12 blurred photographs right i guess it's kind of like you know taking everything away from um uh lance armstrong you know the tour de france because he got caught juicing you know that still was a pretty badass cyclist at one point you know yeah (laughs) oh yeah he still went out there and, and did them uh Tour de France's and yeah. they 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 can't be easy, right? At all, you know. Whether you're taking drugs or not, it's uh, it's still hard to do. Exactly. I'm, 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 I mean, the thing is, on on D Day, they could have put on on shore with them soldiers ninety photographers, but you know, back then they didn't. It was one man, and one man. He was a very brave man to to have done that as well. It's, you know, we should never. Never take that for granted. What you know, what he did that day was was a uh, was very brave. Going on, going on a beach that was it must have been chaos. That's all I can say. It must have been chaos. It must have been horrifying as well. Right. Well, hey, uh, I don't want to end this on a downer. So we got to think about something something positive to to end this on because we're getting well, near an hour and forty five minutes now. So. <laughs> hey, we can do a good podcast, me and you, can't we? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we, can, we can do a long old podcast. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, well, let's, well, let's 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 sign it off on a on a good point. On a good point. Let's talk about the Smiths then, huh? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. Yeah. Well, actually, one of my funniest days was was the day when you asked me to go and photograph the Salford Salford Lads Club in in Salford, uh, which I've always known has been there and it's been quite iconic. But it also sent me on a bit of a mission around Manchester looking for certain things that I thought connect back to the smiths so i could send you a picture of yeah uh and and yeah it's uh yeah as, as a as a as a as a proud mancunian man uh the smiths were oh, well, i should say uh one of the best bands of the 80s uh and then they were closely followed by the stone roses oasis oh. and yeah um, you know all, all them good groups that came out of Manchester, the Happy Mondays and you know, it's a it's a it's a very musical town if if not 
you know, most people have listened to this message and must think, oh, that's depressing music or depressing lyrics. Right. But when you come from a town like that, it's, you know, as, as Manny from the Stone Roses said, the best thing Margaret Thatcher ever did was put them all on the dole because they could play their guitars and they got really good at making music. Right. And, you know, it's, it was just a, it was a backlash of, of musicians turning against the Tory government that had been in power since 1979, yeah. which mostly produced some of the greatest music of, of you know, of, of that century of the 80s and the 90s. Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the Smiths, I mean, well, and there let's was, let's there, not forget the uh, who is it the the what was it the the rap assassins or uh, they're like the first like Manchester hip hop group maybe the first British hip hop group. Uh, you know who I'm talking about? I, I'm I'm not too sure about them. I, oh, I mean, I mean God, I, I, yeah. I should I should write this stuff down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean I know about eight eight oh eight state. They were they're they're a Manchester like dance dance band back no, in the day. No, these guys were straight rap, but like they were like the first straight rap. rap crap. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something something assassins. Um and again, somebody out there is rolling their eyes right now because I should yeah. know this, you know. Rolling their eyes at us two idiots like, <laughs> right. what are these two rattling on about? <laughs> yeah, talking about shit they don't know, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean I mean the other thing as well, I mean we had Joy Division and New oh. Order oh, as yeah. well, which are you know, both absolutely fantastic bands to come from such a rainy city. Yeah. Uh, so Peter Hook, yeah. still lives in Manchester, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I used to live in a, I used to live in a place near Moss Side in Manchester. Uh, yeah. And, and, I'll, and then my first house I bought was in a place called Stretford, which is, uh, at the back of Man- Manchester United's football ground. Right. The, the so, hollowed uh, ground there. <laughs> Say again? The, the hollowed ground that is Man U. So uh, this goes back to one of my stories. Um, it seems, and, see, see, we're ending now on a, on a high point. Oh, the, absolutely. Uh, uh, this over is, the conversation, this is going to end in happiness now. Oh, so we're talking, talking about my, the football club. So, so I, you know how I sent you around looking for, for the, the lads club there. So my mom was in London and and I sent her out to, to go take a picture of Manchester United's grounds for me. Okay. (laughs) Cause we, when I was growing up, uh, I was about 18. Uh, we used to go out to, um, San Francisco to watch the game Saturday morning. Yeah. And uh, we'd go to the pub and get bangers and mash and drink pints of cider and Guinness at like seven o'clock in the morning and <laughs> and watch Manchester United. Um, yeah. And that was back when you know that was Man U was, was you know, rubbish. No, 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 they were great. Uh, this is in the oh, right. in the nineties. Um, oh, in the nineties, yeah, in the nineties, yeah, we yeah, were good. and all that, yeah, you know, and like yeah. I remember a particular game against Chelsea when it was like Beckham and Zola were both at the tops of their, their games, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, those were good times. But yeah, so I sent my mom out there, and she took a picture. Of, she snuck in, and I've got pictures of of Manchester's field with nobody out there, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and my scarf and everything. Um, yeah, so this goes oh. way back, you know. I, uh, Manchester is a everybody in in America loved Manchester United because they were, you know, that was like the team. Um, and, you know, and, and watching Premier League, I, I, I like watching Chelsea and Newcastle and those guys as well. But, you know, man, you was just, man, they were so good back then. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. When, when, when Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge of the club, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, I, I went to see some, I watched some fantastic games there. I, I, I went to quite a few games when Ronaldo was playing for United and you couldn't take your eyes off the players. Yeah. He, you know, he moved so fast. Yeah, I mean, he still he still moves fast, <laughs> but he then he was like eighteen, nineteen. He was moving even faster. You, you've uh, seen uh, you've seen Euro Trip, right? I've seen what the movie Euro Trip. Euro Trip. Uh, have you seen that one? No. Oh man, you gotta see it. Uh, what's his name? Vince, um, the actor. You know, used to be a a, a footballer. Oh, uh, Vinny. Uh, yeah. Vinny Jones. Vinny Jones, right? He's in it, and uh, right. Yeah, you've you've got to go watch that. That's <laughs> there's two reasons okay. why, and I'm not going to spoil it. No spoilers here, but uh, you should definitely check that movie out. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll 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 definitely do that. Right. Uh, have you have you ever watched Class of '92? Uh, no, I haven't. Right, you best uh, you best go go and find that. All right. Class of '92, Class of '92, and it's about the. Uh, it's, it's about Beckham, Skulls, Giggs, uh, the Neville, the Nevilles. Okay. Uh, go go watch that, and I think you being a, as I'd like to call you, a surrogate Mancunian, <laughs> I, th- I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. All right. Well, I'll I'll take that as a badge of honor there. Well, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, have definitely. to talk some more offline here, but uh, I'm going to yeah. stop the recording. So, okay. So uh, if anybody's listened and made it an hour and fifty minutes into this, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you and uh thank you for your time and it's been great as always so i'm gonna end it here and then we'll talk offline okay all right thank you very much derek <laughs> thank you <laughs>